Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Welcome to my favorite time of the week. Lucy has had a fascinating career, um, been in some of the real action around the army and has broken multiple glass ceilings as the army really adopts um, more of a, an approach to get the best of every officer they possibly can. And the lovely thing about this was that uh, General Paul Nansen, the commandant, uh, the recently uh, retired commandant of the Royal Military Academy Santos, said, inspiring woman leader, I think you should have Colonel Lucy Giles, the president of the Army Officer Selection Board. So, Lucy, you've come with great, uh, great recommendations. Um, perhaps tell us a bit about your, your current role. And would you tell us about some of the other exciting roles that you've done on the way? Just a bit of a flavour. It'd be lovely to hear of some of the quite exciting roles that you've done during your time in the Army. Um, well, thank you. And thank you very much for the invitation to be um, a part of this uh this event because it's um it's a real pleasure to be able to uh to share some of the wisdom accrued over a number of years in fact nearly 30 years of service in in, in the British Army all up so the kind of things I've done I did a lot of uh regimental duty um for the first half of my career in the Royal Logistic Corps which um was fascinating. Um, lots of opportunities to uh, travel, but also do operational tours in Bosnia three times, uh, Sierra Leone, East Timor, uh, Northern Ireland, um, Afghanistan, and uh, uh, support to operations in Iraq when I did the air dispatch role. I, uh, I then moved really in the uh, mid-2000s into a role that was more focused in the training and education space for officers. So on promotion, I was serving at the Defence Academy for three mm. and a half years. And my role there was to um, uh, to develop the majors, which is sort of at uh, the 30 year, uh, they're usually about 30 years old, real sort of crossroads and quite a challenge to motivate people and, and keep them uh, inspired. So I did that for three and a half years, um, particularly focusing on leadership um, and staff training. And uh, then I had the privilege of uh, commanding New College at the Royal Military Academy, Sandhurst. And there it's very much about the leadership journey of the officer cadets over their year long regular course or um, month or so course within the reserve cohort. Um, and uh, was delighted and very honoured to uh, commission 2000 officers during that time. Yeah. Um, and then I was um, again able to. Um, I've promoted to uh, work here at the Army Officer Selection Board, which is very hot at the moment. And I'm sure it is where you all are as well at the moment. We're having a bit of a heat wave. And, um, and here my role is to identify talent and potential for the training on the commissioning courses. Mm. So we're not necessarily just selecting for being an officer. It's the training to be an officer. So it's a fascinating world of really understanding personality, characteristics, attributes, 
um, how the brain works um, and, and linking it all together with physicality to identify the potential in people um, to, to go um, on for their commissioning courses. And why is that such a privilege? Well, uh, there's been 37 presidents all up and I'm the first female to break that mold. And first college commander as well from a from a non-combat arm but also from um uh you know the a female as well and you know my my subunit command was um in in a 47 air dispatch was novel as well at the time so i'd be i'll be very pleased when we um are not saying that we're doing a first this and a first that and breaking this glass ceiling. I'm hoping it's going to get smashed in the new in the, in the coming years and it, it won't be so um, unusual. But um, um, I've been very pleased to be part of, particularly in the training and education space um, for the development of young officers to, to give something back over the accrued time I've had in my earlier years. So yes, that's a little bit in a nutshell. That's great. And um, the whole selection of leaders is you know the, the audience the people who are listening uh, at least 170 listening to this but it'll, it'll go out of 50 countries when it goes out on podcast and that they're always struggling to get the right business leader how do they find it and things like that what what are you looking for when when you're getting these people these men and women who are coming from life in the civilian world and they're thinking of becoming army officers I mean, it's a, it's a big area. Clearly, it's a big area. You can talk for days on this. Yeah. But if there was perhaps five or six qualities that, that really shine out in your experience as the president mm -hmm. and also as a college commander of New College, where I went through as a young officer cadet some <clears throat> 40 years ago, um, what, what stands out for you that those qualities which are really invaluable for the military but actually they're also useful for business too because officers are very transferable and, yeah. and do incredibly well what would you pick out as a, as a few of the qualities you're looking for well i think you need it's breaking out what is trainable and what isn't what are inherent and innate traits um that and what can be developed what can't be developed and um we tend to look at uh four dimensions or, or, or domains I should say one of them is looking at how the brain's working so it's the uh, intellectual potential of the individual so I, I liken it to um, an engine really you can have a, um, a formula one engine but it's not very well tuned and it won't go particularly fast but likewise you can have a, um, a small motor in a you know in a lawnmower or whatever but if it's very well tuned, it can be very, you can really maximize the potential in there. So we, we do some cognitive testing to see how the brain works. Um, we then put the individuals and the group um, in, into group situations and also do some individual tests to have a look at the um, how they, they perform under a bit of pressure and how the brain is performing under a bit of pressure. Does it shut down, perform, et cetera? So that tends to be bounded. So, so we, you know, you are you are who you are, and you should celebrate and be happy with who you are, in my view. And I think that's a key important theme that you will hear over the over the coming um, minutes um, and the next hour. It's it's um, being true to yourself. So, so we see the performance and listen to the performance, and that tells you how that brain is working. We look at um, how the brain can be applied. So the practical application. 
you know so if it is a certain uh, you, you are wired in a certain way what does that mean in practical terms because you can have people who are you know very cerebral and cognitively very gifted but can't apply it in a practical context either individually or within a group so we look at that uh, we also um, consider physicality because that's an important part we are in the army we don't we don't go to war and and uh, you know you need to be fit and uh, resilient mentally and physically so um, we do look at that but that is quite trainable you can you can train that and uh, and finally we're looking at personality so what's the underlying character and motivation of the individual what is their impact on the group what is um, their um, uh, reaction to different stresses does the the brain shut down do they shut down or, or, or are they okay so it's a combination it's no one single thing because it's it would be lovely wouldn't it if we could go to a shelf and um pick out a few um elixirs of of what we want in our leaders in the context in which they're working and, and combining it all but the, the reality is it's never as simple as that and so we are very conscious that it's individuals that are coming here we need to understand their background as well as what they they deliver on the day and some of the testing that we do and when and the important thing is looking at their potential and yeah. some of the, the traits we we is um we have learned are, are not are very difficult to um train in uh things like um interaction you are who you are and you behave in a, in a way with other people um uh hardwired biology if you like and that you can't it, it is what it is and you can't yeah. bring that in fantastic well, thank you for that, Lisa. It gives us good flavour, that sort of the brain working, group situations, the physicality, the personality. Uh, and it's interesting as I look at the different leaders that I coach, that sometimes you find some of them are um, temperamentally and personality based, unsuited to some of the roles that they're going for or that they're in. They don't have the right attitude. They can't be trusted. People do not trust them. And I think trust is such an important one. You know, you're expecting your men and women to follow these leaders. And uh, they are going to, unlike many of the businesses that Ben and I are involved in, very few of our businesses ever expect you to give your life for your country, but yours you do. And you, you, this is why I think you spend so much time and effort and money to get, the, get it right at the beginning. Because as we find even in small businesses, when you get it wrong, it's very hard to get rid of people. Um, yeah. and, and certainly in the, in the military, it's very costly. If you've you know, yeah. gotten through all the way through Sandhurst and then they get removed or, even when I was a platoon commander at Santist, uh, getting rid of people was, was a big thing. Um, so, so the selection in the first place is your, your role is key. Now, crises, um, you know, COVID-19 is, is head um, centre of, of all our thoughts at the moment. We see pictures of, you know, people at Santist going there and you know, have to stay there for a while before they come out again, you know, and, and lock down in, in the academy. How, how is it impacting you and what you do? And what would be your advice for dealing with a crisis? Yeah, well, um, along with the, most of the country, we, we shut down um, uh, in uh, towards the end of March. Mm -hmm. uh, we had, uh, you know, to face some different challenges. Um, how, you know, the question was when we all came back to do to do the planning was, you know, how are we going to get people to do a practical outdoor problem-solving exercise without touching each other? Yeah, yeah. How, how, how can we that? 
So um, we had to do a little bit of soul searching and it takes sometimes, um, hideous though it is, but it takes something really um, different to happen or a, a sort of a strategic shock, if you like, which this is for us all, for, to make you understand what's really important and what is the critical path that you need to be following as part of the, the, the role or the job you're doing. So um, that made us really think about everything that we were doing and is it absolutely vital and necessary. So um, we, were, we, we spent two months planning and we've been operational since the 1st of June. Um, we've, we've pared down our, um, uh, our briefing events because we do two major things. We do a, a briefing, which is to prepare people for doing a main board event. So um, we, basically a, a filtering system so that the individuals can understand what to expect and we can prepare them a bit and also give them some feedback on what to develop and, and uh what to improve on um, and then you've got the main board event normally there'd be 24 hours and then three and a half days and we put it down to a one day event and a two and a half day a day event um, so that we can get um, maximize on the numbers of people coming through so we don't lose any of that um, uh, that uh, pipeline if you like and uh, and then we obviously had to try and still follow the um, assessment principles of fairness, um, no, no collusion, a correlation of evidence. Um, so there's no one sort of showstopper of, of the events that we would do. Make sure that we've, um, we, we're true to that, 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 that very importantly, we create the right um, conditions that are safe for both the staff and the, the candidates that are coming through here. And we've had now nearly a thousand come through since June, one form yeah. or another. And, and I have not had, honestly, one bit of feedback saying that they, anybody has felt uncomfortable at any time. Okay. So, to, so for me, that's that's great. And uh, and what we also did as part of this planning is we put in the forefront of everything we did is the the purpose of what we were here to do, the purpose of the assessment, and also are we doing it in the right context? Are we doing it in um, uh, in a safe manner yeah, and, and, then, and can we honestly hand on heart say these young people who are coming here who are very motivated who are keen to join the British Army are they uh, are given every opportunity to to give a good account of themselves while they're here so we've Fantastic. had to really think and make sure that we've created those opportunities for the individuals sounds sounds very fair very reasonable and <laughs> what would be your your one tip your one advice in dealing with a crisis um, uh, slow things down, be calm. Yeah, slow things down, be calm. That sounds very good. Because if you if you can't, and then you you've got to then methodically re understand what you're dealing with so that you can tackle the problem. If you if you um, I think if you overreact early, you, you can. Um, that doesn't mean you're not decisive early, which is different. Mm. But if you react in a way earlier, that's you, you could have a, a more um, uh, profound effect later on than you realize at the time so thinking things through i think and being calm yeah calm is contagious that's a u.s navy seal <laughs> saying i i have as, as you and ben and i were practicing earlier um <laughs> so inspiration who who inspires you as a leader if you were to pick one or two people you've known um, uh, and what were their qualities well it's interesting because um i've slightly reframed the question Okay, I love it. A bit naughty, but because um, I can see what you mean, it's you know people it, traditionally in a leadership position, which is a 
and there's a whole rabbit hole you can go down, can't you, on the position of the leader and, you know, we we find it in the army, you're in a commander position, but does that mean you're a good leader or not? You know, and actually, are you leading, are you commanding, are you managing or whatever? So I won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but um, what, I, what I will say is that the people that inspire me the most as a leader, as opposed to being a leader, mm. is is those people that are going the extra mile because they care and because they're focused on the mission. And and that might you don't have to be in a leadership position to do that. Mm. So and this then comes down to being the good follower as part of a, a leadership con- context, I think. And I'm a follower as much as perhaps you got uh, you all are, you know, in, in your own form. Even um Colin Powell wrote a great essay on this and um you know about followership and it, and and it, i know it's 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 an additional chapter in the new north house book on on leadership so it's quite an interesting area to explore so for example um this morning i was inspired by my team of handymen that are coming up with an innovative way of painting all of the obstacles which takes them by hand a significant time using their water based paints so somebody managed to proffer uh, in in the way that only some of the military can a, a spray gun. And I know it sounds obvious, but um, put the paint in the spray gun and then sprayed the the um, obstacles. And um, it's taken half the time and saved a third of the money. Fantastic. So, so they've done they've done that. And why have they done that? Because they can see that it adds value to our mission, which is to yeah. get candidates through um, and. Um, they, they see their role as, as supporting the next generation of army officers. So that's what inspires me, people making a difference. And um, you mentioned um, Paul Nansen. I will, um, I, I've worked for plenty of people over the many years, and I've been very lucky to, to work with Paul Nansen on, in, on a couple of occasions. And um, he's pretty inspiring. And when I try to understand what is it about that that is good, and that is because, and I think I've, I've nailed it down to the fact he has given me the opportunity to thrive and be me, and 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 allow me to make mistakes, yeah. and recognise that upfront, created opportunities for me to 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 walk through the doors. So he's not he's not there telling me how to do it. He's giving mm. me opportunity in order for me to do it. And the, isn't, isn't that one of those quotes that you know fine leaders create the environment? people to thrive in and also remove obstacles it sounds like he's done that yeah he, he absolutely doesn't he, he, he doesn't just do it to people like me it's 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 everybody it doesn't matter if it's a fusilier if it's his driver and, and and that kind of trust and you mentioned trust up front you know that kind of trust in you which is what it is the sort of here's what i need to do i'm giving the, the, the you the control panel get crack on with it if you've got any questions come back to me Actually, are so empowering, and it, it's it makes you feel valued and trusted, mm. and you just can't you don't just get that given to you. You have to really earn it. And he's had that knack and that magic. And if you speak to anybody who's worked um, with him, for him, alongside him, under him, it, everybody will say the same. He's one of those sort of people who's got the common touch, and he he knows how to um, capitalize and leverage. Um, uh, the potential in his people. Yeah. Well, very true, Lucien, and we enjoyed having him on the series too. Yeah. And it's nice to see that Sean Taylor 
uh, ex Royal Military Police. He's saying good afternoon. Gary Hearn, who's at the Defence Academy. Oh, Gary. Uh, got, got some great questions. And Neil Yurt uh, is also saying oh, how, how brilliant and how articulate you're in the right job. So you've got some great fans already on there. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. In the questions coming in. And Ben will take those a little bit later on. Uh, teams, very briefly, because um, we've got quite a lot to cover, but it's all good. Uh, inspiring teams you've worked with and how they tackle a challenge well, whether it be spray painting the different obstacles <laughs> at the Army Officer Selection Board or whatever. But what, what, what makes, in your experience, I'm always interested about taking a toxic team, so mm. you've moved into a place where it's really not working, something's yeah. gone a bit wrong, the, the morale's bad and they're not working, and, and you've seen it improve. may not be you, it might have been someone else has done it, but yeah. what's, what's turned a toxic team into a inspiring team, a high-performing team? I, uh, it's interesting, and I can, I'm, I'm speaking quite candidly, so I hope none of my team are on the <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm going through a little bit of a challenge at the moment. Yeah. I'm trying to work out, I've got the barrel and I've got the apples in it. And every so often in the last few weeks, the odd apples come out bruised and I can't work out why. And I think I've nailed it down to an individual who's who's not being very helpful. Yeah. And the easy thing to do would be to ignore it and just to pretend that, and just put the apples back in and pat them on and everything else. The more challenging thing to do is to address the problem. Yeah. And, and a shortcut would be remove somebody from post or tell them off or, or um, grit them or, you know, have a con one way conversation without coffee, which is something I personally experienced being on the receiving end. Or, you know, maybe that was a style back in the day for, for some people. But I'm not sure how helpful that is. And it just moves the problem on somewhere else. Yeah. Well, so, one of the things that, one of the things I've seen work well if it's of any help it, it may be so obvious um with one of the teams that was toxic um each of them did a stop start and continue on the other members of the team uh yeah. to a central point independent review um on, on what they should continue doing just even in one or two words what they should uh, stop doing what they should start doing and you begin to get a pattern of where some behavior is going on or even a full 360 by somebody independent yeah of, of the team and, and if they were you, if, if there was one thing they could do to make the team healthy, what would it be? But but getting somebody who's not you independent just to do a 360 and find out what it is. No, 100%. Yeah. But, it's, it, but it's, it's interesting that the team can often work it out as well. It doesn't have to be a hierarchical no, thing. No, it doesn't. Um, and Gary will know this when we've been in... in um, on in ICC, so in in where where we happen to work with small groups of people, fifteen in thirteen in a group, so small team dynamics over time, extra stresses on top, family dynamics behind the scenes. It's challenging for some of them to focus, and and you know everybody's got a different pressure level where where and release valve. So it's recognizing that. And one of the things um, I did when I was at, uh, at Shrivenham to, to, to try and see if how I could, could solve this was, because um, time's tight uh, as always, and it's difficult to get everybody in the same room. So I literally got everybody to write a name on a post-it, literally, you know, Giles, what, what, what they are doing really well, what they like about the person and, and an area of development. So pretty similar to the stop start thing. And then and then the next, you know, that takes half an hour. And then the next half an hour, you're literally 
giving it to the person and saying and having a, a very one minute like speed dating conversation and you physically give them this that they can yeah. then reflect on very, quite, good. very powerful and uh, yeah. quite well <laughs> gary's saying lucy we and you've all been there and we can't leave yeah. a bad apple in the barrel but finding out why is key yeah uh, quite often they lack confidence and feel personally challenged is his view it, um, exactly you can't in my experience it, you know you can't write off these people and when um uh, i've had a couple of occasions where where your your people's behavior is not being conducive to the team dynamic or to the task that we're trying to achieve and when you dig behind it there's been some complete disaster behind the scenes or they had no idea that they came across in the way that they did and they're horrified yeah yeah so yeah. Well, good luck with that one. Having conversations, that's what yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, courageous conversations. And, and of course, it's all about learning from our mistakes. And yeah. uh, what would you pick as a story about, um, you know, when you learned from a personal mistake you made as a leader, you know, it was not good leadership. I've got hundreds of different examples of my own appalling <laughs> leadership, uh, both in the Army and as a managing director. Yeah. Um, but what you learned from it, which, which would you pick as a story? I pick one that was in my formative years because I think that's where we do some of our best learning. Although I'm, you know, um, uh, I certainly wouldn't suggest that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm infallible at the moment. Far from it. I think the when I first got commissioned and I went into my first role as a leader, as a platoon commander in my with my first troop in Germany. Um, I, I went in there pretty conceited, I think, on reflection. I thought I knew what I wanted to do. I had my troop Bible. I'd written everybody's names in it because I'd interviewed them, and therefore that meant I really knew them. So I, so I, I, I'd done the tick list, and I, and I, you know, married. Da, 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 I got it. So half, you know, fifteen minutes tick. I've, I've sewn this person up because it's written on my list. I then went into a gradings board. Now, a gradings board, for those who don't know it, is something which positions your soldiers in, in a merit list against their peers. And, um, you know, it's very important for promotion, for money, for status and all of this kind of stuff. So it's important that you represent them fairly and rightly in those conferences. And I realised to my shame that I didn't know them at all. I thought I did. And I, I didn't get their character. I didn't recognize where their potential could be lying in the future. And it was a salutary lesson. Luckily, my OC was very good and he recognized it was part of my education. So none of my soldiers were disadvantaged, but I learned a massive lesson. Yeah. And um, so my 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 style, if there is a style, is is um, uh, leadership by having lots of cups of teas. So I will go around even now around the, the houses and go and have a brew with some of the, the team to find out what's really going on, find out in the margins how I can help them and get them to be where they want to be. Um, and also offer that reality as well, if that's not quite where they are. Uh, and in, indeed, picking up on that in the virtual world where people aren't often able to meet with each other, yeah. even many leaders that I'm coming across are getting confused and they're having back to back Zoom meetings like yeah. with no space in between. They'll let them all be an hour or, or because that's the unit of time. But of course, the, the key point is that actually, perhaps if they made it 20 minutes and had some time just chatting to people, it would be much more, much more helpful so that they do know them. Yeah. Um, so I think you hit on a good point. So learning from mistakes, crucial, and we're always making them. It's a question, can we learn from them? What about um, 
What was the advice you wish you'd had when you started out as a leader? So imagine these young men and women at the uh, Army Officer Selection Board and you're the president. But what bit of advice do you wish you'd been given uh, when you first started out? Best bit of advice? To, 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 be, your, to be yourself. I know yeah. that sounds really well trodden. I mean, Shakespeare came up with it, didn't he? And, yep. you know, thine own self is true. It's advice to Laertes from Polonius. But, mm. you know, it, it's, it, it's, it, it's, I really mean it. You've got, you've got to be, you've got to be really comfortable in your skin, whatever that might be. And that can be different things to different people at different stages in their life, I think. So being comfortable in your skin, being true to yourself um, would be the bit of advice I would give the young Lucy Giles as she went to her. Um, because if you're comfortable on in your skin and you're very clear on where your values lie mm. and, and where your belief system is lying and you're comfortable with it. And, you you know, those were I'm, I'm my colleagues of mine in the army. We're in the army because we want to do to serve our country. We, we want to do the best thing. And I want to give something back at this stage in my career, etc. But but if um, but if you're if you're then comfortable and you're happy with your beliefs, then you're you've got a solid foundation from which to call out or challenge anything that isn't right. I yeah, think. Very good. And well, I probably hid behind what I thought I should be back in the yeah. day. Uh, and emulating some of my my uh, male colleagues and being a yeah. bit lavish, perhaps at times. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's an easy one that we think we've got to be like somebody else. Yeah, um, it's a big mistake. I, I'm just going to ask one other question, then uh, hand over to Ben. But he might also stick in some of the the questions we've got at this the stage. Because please mm -hmm. do send in your questions. Um, we'd we'd love them all. Um, darkest moments, darkest moment in your work or your personal life, and what did you learn? to become a more resilient leader from that dark moment? Um, well, I'd probably cite a couple of examples. Um, one that can be fairly obvious because it, was a, because it was a very hard, physically demanding, mentally challenging course that I did to, to go for a certain pathway in the army. Um, at the time in, in the mid nineties, it was pretty robust. Um, uh, I certainly felt um, challenged by it and um, and sleep deprived and all of that kind of stuff. And I thought I was heading in the right direction and I got told I wasn't good enough. Mm. And then it, it was like getting sucker punched. So I went in it again and then I got sucker punched again. So I spent yeah. a year training for it. And it took me two, three years to recover. Yeah. Because so, I felt bruised by the whole experience. Not what's your learn, what's your learning from it? What's your learning from it? Well, it's it's that where one door closes, another one opportunity arises. I suspect I'm I'm not sure I'd be married because mm. the job would have entailed being away a heck of a lot, and at the it time it, it would have been challenging. I probably um, I, I I garnered a bit of a reputation from having even put my name out there for for doing that that um, that course, and I think. I didn't know this, but apparently, you know, that was I uh, was quite good. Um, I um, I deliberately shied away from doing some of the more traditional roles of the captain when I was younger, and um, and I ended up being on a training team in South Africa, so which wow. was amazing and awesome. And then and then I fell into a a media job, which took me on to twenty two different countries in twenty four months, which was when you were younger, and that's what you joined the army for. No. To, to that's amazing. Brilliant. Uh, Lucy, I, I, uh, sorry. 
No, no, that's just saying it's great. I'll hand over to Ben now to Ben to do perhaps some of the questions and and take it from the stage. And um, over to you, Ben. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's it's, it's lovely to hear, hear you talking, Lucy, and and hearing about your journey and and uh, and it really sounds like during your journey you've you've learned so many things about being more open and 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 uh, and really listening and. Um, and empathetic, and uh, there. What, what we always ask is about uh, moments of humour in in uh, in either your career or mm. or or, uh, or how you lead. Have you got any um, sort of funny moments you'd like like well, to talk to us about? I I I can't really think of anything sort of specific. Less less that. Um, one of the things from being physically challenged is that you get to a stage where you just think, oh, this is, it's completely wet. It's great. You know, I'm absolutely drenched. I'm knackered. I'm going to be, you know, I, I, this is going to be going on for a thing. And you just look and you smile at your oppo and you just end up sort of laughing to yourself thinking this is just mad. What are we doing? And all this sort of stuff. And, and the, 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 why do I mention that? It's because the physical, if you were taking yourself out of that context, if I was on my own, that would be one thing. But it's because I've built that relationship with my teammates and my colleagues through the training that we do at Sandhurst, through um, the ethos that you build, the, the spirit that you have, the fact that I would do it, you know, to my, in my next door neighbour in my, my line at Sandhurst is the godmother of my eldest daughter. Mm. My 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 other op, um, other mate on the other side of the corridor is the godmother to my son, mm. and and um, I only had two children. Otherwise, I'd, I'd have a platoon's worth of godparents. <laughs> so, so, so um, my point is, is you end up in adversity where the pressure's on because you trust each other and you you love each other in a way that's that that, that, that if you're in those high intensity situations and you would do anything for your mates mm. and, and you look after each other that's when um that's when you find humor as, as a way to just get you through some of the things that are a bit feel a yeah. bit rubbish at the time um, um and yet some of the humor can be dark and taken out of context it can be an inappropriate i think but you know that, that's why you're with a trusted other if that makes sense sure sure and probably pushing yourself to those sort of limits really sort yeah. of brings things in persp into perspective as as well yeah. and those such shared experiences exactly so you're not having a you're not having a complete collapse after a, a disaster or, or a, a you know a line twists in your parachute which i had the other you know once upon a time and you, you you land and then you end up laughing about it but it was a pretty serious situation <laughs> at the time but yeah yeah so we, we've had a few few questions come in, and, and it'd be great if we if we get get some more. We always like people to be um, interacting. So I think we'll 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 go to the feed and and, and take a couple of those questions. So um, thanks, Gary. So I'm, I'm just going to change the view, and we'll, we'll bring up um, Gary's Gary's question because it's um, an interesting one there. So Lucy, doing some stuff on creativity is and its importance in being an innovative organization, and the research indicates military score lower than civilian average. Are you doing any research into considering bringing creativity into your assessments? Hope you're well, Gary. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Yeah. Um, well, Gary, all is good. Yeah, thank you. Um, the It's a really interesting one because there is an argument that 
um, we, we do abstract scoring as part of the psychometric test. So we do numeracy, verbal reasoning, and we do um, abstract. So the abstract can give an indication of how the brain can think possibly in, in, in more patterns. That, that may lend itself to people coming up with more innovative and sophisticated ideas when it comes to practical problem solving or a different kind of plan or a different take on a discussion you know, so and 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 we we mark that as a positive um, uh, when we're doing our behaviourally anchored recording system scoring. The um, is there anything specific that we design in order to create the conditions to get more evidence on that? And the answer is no at the moment. Um, um, possibly it's something to to look at, but the I think it, um, a lot of the training interventions that we do in the army, including um, the ICSC. Um, I think if we if we could, we should we should try and create more space in those courses for innovation and creativity to happen of its own volition. Because to even, I think everybody's got it, it's unlocking it and it's giving opportunities for that to be unlocked. And it's those innovations, those small things that um, can make the significant difference. So um, a colleague of mine was doing what's called a rehearsal of concept drill on operations in Afghanistan. He was the OC, the officer commanding. And one of the um, his young soldiers um, was in on the final rock drill because um, the sergeant was the way and the platoon commander was the way. And that young soldier came up with a completely different take on the plan. And it resulted in them having to change what they were going to be doing. So you need that diverse thinking um, complemented with the um, ability to be more creative. I think sometimes if I'm absolutely honest and I'm, I hold the mirror up to my, my, the organization, I think we can stifle it at times by being too processed. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And this sort of comes back to your, your sort of style of leading and, and being open to people actually voicing their opinions mm. if, if people can't voice their opinions it, it like you said it's it, it stifles that um creativity immediately doesn't it um we've also got a ni nice comment from um neil <laughs> thanks neil uh, i i I'd agree you. yeah <laughs> very much so thank you John. um and i think we we cover covered um gary's second question there but we've also got one from keith mason so how has leadership changed in the military throughout your career and how do you adapt your leadership style to meet continued demands on your teams in high tempo environments thanks keith and how has leadership changed in the military i think and i genuinely mean this that there is an openness to being more inclusive in the military that I'm in now than the military I joined 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, the journey for me as a minority in the army, um, and we're sitting at about 11% or something of females in the British Army. Mm. All up. Um, you know, uh, you, you needed to make sure you had a voice, and I'm not sure those voices were heard or listened to back in the day. Um, the army has learned over time, and I think again if i look at reflectively over the over the time if you look at the, the dali blake inquiry which happened as a result of some uh, deaths at a, a garrison called deep cut mm. the, um the, over, a, over a protracted period when you read the report and i have read it um and i make sure i read it 
before the start of any job linked into training to remind us that we mustn't mustn't um uh we must always remember the important things and we must never we mustn't be shy about learning from our lessons collectively as an organization that changed the way we did education and training and but fundamentally it meant we put more emphasis on our youngsters to um on coaching and mentoring it got at the middle and low management levels within the army it empowered junior ncos to make decisions and to, to run things but in an appropriate and values-based way so I, I look at that as quite pivotal the other thing i look at in terms of how leadership has changed is we were i think we were pretty conceited in the army it, because we would, didn't need to write anything down about leadership because we knew it, didn't we? So it wasn't until 2015 when the then CGS uh, General Nick Carter um, uh, launched through Paul Nansen, who, who was who was the um, well behind that, and some very good writing teams as well in in, in that organisation at Sandhurst at the time, launched the leadership code for the British Army, and it's not it's not rocket science. But it is codifying where we want to go in terms of leadership. So what leaders are, what leaders know, what leaders do, and how they do it, the behaviours that underpin it. So it's not a list of, you know, trust, integrity, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's not that. It's about how what that looks like on the ground. And as a template for a senior officer or a private soldier, it is invaluable because you can put it as a handrail in any context you're working. So the fact that we're even having that kind of discussion, Keith, means that our leadership and our approach to it and our embracing of it against and codifying of it has significantly changed, particularly in my view, last five to 10 years. And it's the five years that I've been, if you look at Sandhurst, we, um, when I arrived, we, we had integrated platoons as we called them at the time, they're just platoons now, but when I came through, I was in a female company and then there was female platoons. And you wonder why um, we inadvertently created a lot of um, chauvinism. It, 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 it wasn't deliberate. The army didn't set out to do that, but that was the consequence. What do you say? It created a lot of the, the it, female platoons. It created a lot of... Well, what you did is you you had, um, in, in a company context, you, you had three male platoons possibly, or two male platoons, oh, and then you had the female platoon. So there was this distrust that they were doing a different kind of course, slightly marginalised, not included, even though we were diverse. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, was, it, it, it was inadvertent, but it led to a bit of a, let's still invite the girls platoon to our party. It, or let's, you know, it's just it was an unhealthy kind of relationship. And, um, and it meant that when I was even a few years ago um, on, on my teaching journey at, at, at the Defence Academy, I had uh, on numerous occasions um, the uh, other members of directing staff asking me for advice because they'd never worked with women before, and yet they were in their syndicates. <laughs> Not their they, you know, and they're perfectly good, but they've got brothers. They went to an all boys school and they went into an infantry unit. So. It's, you know, it just needed to be, they just needed some support. At least they were reaching out and asking. And mm -hmm. then, you know, I was able to help help support them. Thanks, yeah, that's great.
And um, another question um, from um, Jamie Wilson. Sorry, it's going to cut off your face. Yeah, okay, you have to crank yourself up a bit. Uh, you have to so, move across to one side. Yeah. All right, Lucy. Um, is it great to see? It's great to see you virtually. It's been a yeah. long time. Yeah. Um, Pass my best to Nick. My yeah. question is: What is your approach to failure in providing opportunities to mentor and strengthen your team as a leader? Also, have you ever led a truly high-performing team, and how do you differ your style to accommodate their needs? Right. So, um, approach to failure. Well, when I've come up with, you know, the, the people you work with that come up with a good idea bomb, as well. Usually, <laughs> people they're about to leave the institution or organisation, and they, then they let the shrapnel settle because it's <laughs> gone everywhere. Um, the so if I come up with an idea or an innovation, first of all, I socialise it through the what do you think um, sort of thing or how, this is the problem, what kind of solution would you come up with? So um, the so so it, it gives everybody an opportunity to buy in and, um, and 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 that works works really well. The um, the thing, though, um, is I always put a review point in. So it gives us a get out of jail free calls. And so I can then say is, do you know what? If it doesn't work, it's not a problem. We can we can revert to type or come up with another plan. And it sort of relaxes people that, you know, we can try different things and that they're engaged in in, in coming up with a solution to, for the organization or for, for the, the problem. And I, I've done this very recently with how we need to, to change boarding. And um, I've literally just sent an email today that we're going to retain our shortened boards until April next year. I'm just gone bold early. We all know then where we are and we will review it. So we're not, I'm not saying that it's going to endure. You see what I mean? So, so, um, and therefore the, the approach to failure is, is, is uh, a failure in or making a mistake is only a mistake if you don't learn from them. So I, and I'll give you a good example, Jamie, and, and it's from a, ca a officer cadet at Sandhurst that in 2015, in my first year, Augustine 2016, I, um, uh, he, he had a, a, what I would call a spectacular. So he was at the company dinner night and um, got very drunk, couldn't work, you know, couldn't have, didn't have any control over himself etc what we did is he came in front of me ultimately I referred him up to a review board and he was out of the academy within 24 hours no, no question that's him gone he came back a year later and came into the second term and he did another spectacular and this time we uh I got him in and I had a conversation with him and I said, look, I, what I'd like you to do is consider your behaviour. I want you to link it to the values and standards that we, that we are here to, to imbue in you. And I want you to, to have reflect on it. And then I want you to do a presentation to me and the rest of your platoon. I'd also like you to go to the med, medical um, centre because if you think that four pints and two bottles of wine is okay and that you can perform the next day. I'm telling you now it's probably not. So you might want to recalibrate there. Blah, 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 blah. So what we ended up doing by allowing that person to fail and then not do anything about it, just didn't address the problem. And they come back to that bad apple thing. Mm. So being able to then give him the opportunity to properly understand why his behavior wasn't right and, and, and to try and coach him into 
to coming up with a different way forward is, um, in my view, a success. And what we we ended up getting was somebody who commissioned, and I was I particularly sought him out to shake his hand on the on his mm -hmm. on his last day, um, because and he thanked me. And he's now running an Al-Anon group somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but he would be a better um, young officer for that experience because he's learned from his mistakes because we gave him the opportunity to learn. Yeah. Rather yeah. than uh, we having a... Um, one of the things is rec uh, in leadership behaviours is, is um, applying reward and discipline. Well, you can apply discipline in a positive way rather than it being a negative experience. So that's what I, you know, of you. Jamie, I forgot the second half of your question. Sorry, mate. <laughs> it was about um, uh, high-performing teams. That was it, wasn't it? So, oh, okay. Have you ever led a truly high-performing team and how do you differ your style to accommodate mm. them? Oh, I like to think that the... Um, I, I, I suppose in a sporting context, I, I chair UK Armed Forces Orienteering and I think, uh, and so I have a team of 16 that I, every year we we, um, we compete against British universities and it's quite a big high profile event and, you know, I, I've been lucky to be involved in this for nearly 20 years and, and competed and, and now I'm organising and adding hopefully a bit of value. So how do we get people to, 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 to be the best of themselves? Well, I, I do a thing with the technical advisory board with, um, with with the football association at the moment, and one of the people that is part of that is Stuart Lancaster, and uh, also um, uh, uh, Brailsford as well. And what they will talk about is um, uh, marginal gains. So it's shaving off those seconds to get the higher performance. It's really working on that muscle. Uh, uh you know running style or whatever to get that extra pace in your run and and you can then make a marginal gain and if you accrue it over time you're you're gonna you know if, if, if i'm if i'm going through 30 checkpoints on an orienteering course and saving 10 seconds that's half you know that's half a minute or whatever over time so, so there's um or, or work or that kind of thinking so i i suppose i've been involved in that but i think so so but, but what I would do in terms of style of leadership is I make sure I've got my team around me of people who know who can explain the uh, I don't need to know everything I need to surround myself with people who do yeah. if the confidence in the the whole team approach so if I didn't know the answer I'd need to find somebody who did to, to provide that 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 gap in knowledge and or skill that I would need in order to apply with my yeah. experience to, to give me the wisdom to yeah from, from get those results great and and there's been some really nice questions thank you thank you for that um everybody on the feed if, you, if you've got any more questions we've got a few few minutes left but um we always ask um, the people we're interviewing about some habits which have made them successful and i think you've you've had a really inspirational journey um and we always sort of just um have a quick fire round of of some of the habits that have made you successful so um you've obviously been through some pretty stressful times and 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 in some pretty um sort of difficult situations how have you kept yourself healthy both physically and mentally um during those times well it's interesting there's an assumption that i have 
because um, actually I, I like to keep fit and, I, and I'll do some exercise. It's a pretty obvious one, but I'm not sure I've taken care of myself as holistically as I should do. Um, particularly as you um, go up through the ranks and as you perceive that you've got more and more um, uh, span of command um, and you've got more things to do, you try and do behave in a way that you were a few years ago and you can get overwhelmed by it unless you realise that actually you've got to surround yourself with the right people and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I, uh, so um, I, creating time for yourself is really important. And I've got a, a, um, a husband, Nick, he's been on a lot of, uh, tour. he's just come back from his third year long tour um, wow. in Syria up until September last year and then did a course in, in it, which is worrying time. I had two children, um, 16 year old and 12 year old they're both uh, at school normally they're now here at the moment which is great um, but my daughter helped me I'm on her computer she helped me <laughs> um, so uh, and so I need to, because I come back and I do still deal with cooking and everything else what I need to do is be because they everybody wants to help support me and and um, we're a good team as a family but I need to make time for myself and not yeah. try and do everybody else's job as well, yeah. which is yeah. a tendency to do. So Definitely. healthy headspace or, or something like that and, and doing some physical exercise and having a focus for that, but keeping yeah. it realistic, not trying to beat yourself. Or, or yeah. And in um, these tough times, obviously there's lots of people out there who, who are having um, problems with, uh, with with money and, and, and getting by. Is there any piece of advice that you give or have been given about uh, money that you found useful? Well, don't change your pension scheme. Is one of the <laughs> no, I, I'm. I am um, one of our again. One of our uh, leadership behaviours that we 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 try and emulate is to to know your strengths and weaknesses and play to those strengths and weaknesses. Mm. I know my strengths is not finances, but what I have done is <laughs> I've, I've um, been lucky enough to get a, a pay rise or I've gone to an ex. I've I've kept the delta if that makes sense some yeah. of it saving some of it i i give to to support alumni and charities that that i i have helped me or i i believe in so i do that and a piece of wisdom that you strive to live your life by be a, i i think be a master of your values so that you know yourself and you've got that strong foundation on which to to work from um in in not just in your work but in life as well because I think if you if you're clear on where you stand, where your values are, where where you're calibrated, where your moral compass is pointing, um, then then you'll be happier in yourself, as well yeah. as um, being more meaningful and uh, effective citizen. Yeah, and just one additional one because I, I think that that, that I, it's just really interesting to hear all, all the stuff you've achieved over your life. What's, <laughs> what's your sort of proudest moment um, so far? Uh, well. I would say um, having children, but it's not just having the children, it's having them growing up in, and we are so lucky in this world, because especially those in the military who are listening to this, know what, how awful it can be out in uh, some of these areas that we go to. So to yeah. come and, and, and know that, and be part of an organization, which I believe in, Who's uh, who is is trying its best to get its diversity agenda right and to create um, um, 
an inclusive environment as well. And for my kids to see that and to grow mm. up um, having opportunity and everything, that, that makes me very proud. Mm. Seeing my husband um, do his work selflessly, um, uh, it has been amazing. And, to, and the, finally, I suppose the I'm very proud of the influence behind the scenes that I've had been able to have through all of my particularly training in and education interventions at Sandhurst the Defence Academy um, and here at AOSB um, behind the scenes to, to help get people um, where they need to be. Great. Amazing. Amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Lucy, and we've had some really lovely comments um, yeah. uh, across across the board here and really lovely um, uh, comments and questions. So um, inspirational, thanks very much, honest, authentic, um, and, and from Gary, uh, keeping yourself, <laughs> take care, Gary. So, so really lovely and, 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 uh, and so good to have you, have you on the show. Um, anything else to, to, to add, Jonathan? Just if I could say, Lucy, um, fab fabulous having you on this. Just being completely yourself, and you know, there's a lot going on for you. And and there, there are, you know, we are all incomplete leaders with complete teams, even if the team has somebody who might be playing the part of a bad apple at the time until they get understood and um, you can work out what it is. But you came across really genuine, and you talked about the whole of your life, you know, that that the problems of balancing both you and your husband both being massively busy, as many people are now, and trying to look after the kids. And, and it's no longer acceptable that the man just does his thing and the woman has to sweep up the shit. That's no longer the case. It's got to be a partnership, as, as my wife and I do with our four children and um, a mother-in-law who's just had a, a, you know, a heart attack. You, know, just, you all have to muck in and help out. And, and you've shown that here on the show and it's just really great. It's a real honour having you on. So thanks, Lucy. We appreciate it all. It's, it's been my complete pleasure. Thank you very much and good luck to you all. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.